Hello, this is Draconis from the Real Basement Dwellers podcast, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast, because I'm going to be honest, I kind of ran out of drink vouchers. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Broadcast live on D20 Radio's Justin TV channel. You're listening to the Order 66 podcast. Brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and MapsOfMastery.com. Hello Gamer Nation, welcome back to the Order 66 podcast. We are at ReaperCon live! Alright, that just, that just blew out everybody's ears. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Have a nice day. Hello uh, chat room, how are you guys doing? I'm GM Dave, as usual. You guys might be able to see me on the camera. Hello. Say hello, say hi. Say hi to America and the rest of the world. Hello. Um, so we've got ourselves a few guys here. Uh, yeah, I'm GM Dave, and uh, as usual, here's GM Chris. What is up, Gamer Nation? Uh, so um, it is uh, two weeks. It's time for another Order 66 podcast, but we got kind of busy because, of course, we are at ReaperCon, as we like to do and as we want to do, um, and have been running a lot of Star Wars games. Uh, so it's been kind of epic. Um, so we have some guests that are with us right now um, that uh, I want to take the opportunity for you guys to introduce yourselves, first and foremost. So who, who are you guys? Where are you from? Hey, I'm Tycho. I'm from Austin, and I have never listened to the Order 66 podcast. <laughs> I'm Jonathan. I'm also from Austin. I've never listened to the Order 66 podcast, and this is a heck of a lot of fun. And My it's truthful Robert. because you guys literally had never even known who we were before now. Absolutely. And I'm some dude. And I'm Chris, and I have never listened to the Order 66 podcast either. How about that? Oh, and we have we have we have one more joining us. One more. G- get a, get a chair up here. Say hi to America and the rest of the world. Hi, America and the rest of the world. Introduce yourself. I'm CJ, otherwise known as Chris, or Trail Song Online, just about anywhere else. Hmm? And have you ever listened to the Order 66? I have listened to the Order 66 podcast starting a couple of years ago. Oh. So now. For those of you scoring at home, that's Chris. Chris is three. <laughs> Everyone else just one. Yeah. Or if we combine, maybe we can win four to three. With our Chris's combined, we are <laughs> Wonder Twin Powers. Activate. Um, done. Wait. Wonder Who's Triplet Powers. Yes. <laughs> Whose left leg? Uh, uh, Whose right arm? Can I be crotch? Yeah. <laughs> can I be crotch? Is that possible? Okay. okay. Um, so, guys, uh, we're here at ReaperCon, um, and uh, non-standard show, but really we're going to talk about Star Wars. So, uh, we got to get, I got to get in a lot of Star Wars play, um, and Dave, uh, you watched a, star, a lot of Star Wars play. I watched some, but I played a hell of a lot of Chaos Ball. Yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> uh, we were broadcasting live some Chaos Ball play earlier, but, um, so, I mean, 
in terms of the system, in terms of FFG's Edge of the Empire system, which is obviously what we played in, I mean, who's played it before? Do we have any, I mean, is, was this your first time playing, or did you have any experience? Have you heard of the game before at all? I played it once last year, which was enough to get a taste of it, but really not enough to get any semblance of, okay, this is cute, now what do I do? That was last year. What about you guys uh, this is my second time playing it, and the first one was also a demonstration game. So, uh, Dragon's Lair in Austin. Down Dragon's Lair. Okay, okay, okay. What about the rest of you guys? Uh, yeah, actually, this turned out to be the second time I played it, but I'd forgotten that I played a Dragon's Lair because it just lost my mind. School ate me. Uh, so anyway, anyways, uh, coming back, uh, looking at the dice, I said, "Aha! I recognize that. That was a heck of a lot of fun. I'm gonna have fun with this." Yes. Yeah. This was my first time playing it, and I enjoyed it. It had pretty dice, and the rules were simple. <laughs> uh, this was my second time playing. Uh, funny enough, I played it with these two guys uh, in the same demonstration game, so I really enjoyed it the first time. We didn't actually get into space combat the first time I played, so this oh, time was yeah. really, really cool. Oh, this is very, very good. Okay, so, ZJ, I know you played in a... I want to talk to you in a bit about, about one, of the, one of the cooler long-running events I did here. But I really wanted to, to get these guys' impression as real first-timers with nothing but demo in there. You guys played through a one-shot session um, that I ran, which was Dead Man's Hand, okay, which is uh, uh, backers of the Order 66 podcast. I can find that actually in the backer zone for supporting the podcast and download it and play it. Um, very cool that, regions. And that's going to be available to everyone soon. Soon. Yep. Soon. Soon. Very soon. So... Tell us about the adventure. What was it like, and, and uh, what happened? Were there any memorable moments for you? Uh, what were your characters, do you recall? And, uh, uh, I don't know, espouse, get geeky. This is the time where you can tell the rest of the world about your character. I always love playing games at conventions where the GM says, wow, you are the first group that this happened. So I mean, <laughs> the, 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 You said a couple scenarios that happened, yes. The scene, well, usually the best one is, well, you were the first group that, uh, you know, no combat happened in this scene. Uh, so, I mean, that was really great. It, to me, it's a testament to the system when that can happen. All right? It, it, it's, it's, and you're, you're not forced into a combative action. You can accomplish your goals through creative skill usage, which you guys did. Um, you, you played smart. You played well. I mean, I don't know. What, what were the rest of your thoughts on the module? That was a lot of fun. It's um, it seems to be a very big hero noise system, and what do you mean by that? Clue, clue the rest of us in. <laughs> it's all about um, getting into it and just truly enjoying your character without it being a bunch of dice rolls. The dice rolls are kind of there as a framework, but other than that, it's all about narrative, and I like that. One of the things I found with the, the group we were playing is that some folks who were they, they were still in a, in a sort of mindset. It's like, okay, I want to attempt to slice into the computer, and they were getting their dice pool ready. It's like, okay, and then after they sliced in, it's like, okay, I'm going to get my dice pool ready again. I want to attempt to attempt to do this in the computer. You know, it's like this sort of you know every minute action I want to undertake, I have to make a dice roll for. And, and it was getting that concept. It was like, no, uh, that, you know, make one roll. It'll cover everything you want to do, and and the amount of advantage you generate and everything else like that can get into deeper. I mean, was that. Was that difficult for you guys, or were you, able, were, you, were you able to slip into that pretty easily? I mean, we have been kind of playing a game in kind of a similar flavor with it. What's the game? Uh, it's a it's a, a friend of ours made up his own system for a Knights of the Old Republic game. Uh, oh wow! Okay, Ooh. but it, it only uses regular dice. Oh no! No special fancy dice. No. But I, 
it was it was kind of easy to slip into, and it, it's all about he wants you to convince him about the coolness of what you were doing, right? And so I enjoy that. It, it's it's narrative. It's what it is. I liked that they planned around not everybody is going to have a skill set useful in every situation, but here's how you can kind of adapt that. So I was basically playing an axe-wielding orc in space, and we had a space combat, so I knew I was not supposed to touch electronics. I would do more harm than good, but there was a mechanic for me punching the ship and healing damage that way. Yeah, that's right. You manual repairs, yes. You, you, you gave me a look, you were like, what? Okay, well, all right. Just to find the narrative. Um, I work in that regard. I mean, yeah. Uh, actually, one of the things that I really like about the game system is that it'll actually get out of the way and let you do role-playing, because it's a role-playing game. Come on, people. You right, want so to role-play, and it's not spelled R-O-L-L. It's R-O-L-E. So what were, how did the system let you do that? Um, well, actually, because of the fact that, uh, I mean, the GM can actually give information out from other characters, um, that each character can work together to try to do something, and there's collaboration. There's honest to goodness collaboration. You you uh, give advantage to other people because you're working together with them. You talk with them. You figure out whether something is going to work right, and then uh, the last person who's actually orchestrating the effects just rolls with the GM, gets it figured out, and it happens. But it's not something that, uh, I mean, the mechanics of the game get in the way. You can actually talk it out, and it feels like it's an interactive environment as opposed to, I'm rolling these dice, and because this happened to be summed up to 23 that somehow I succeeded and I knew that you actually talked with the GM and you figured out what all the effects are right now you guys were playing individual characters I know I know uh, I know you were playing uh, the Trandoshan okay the space orc basically <laughs> when you get down to it um, some guy some guy uh, you so you were the captain of the ship all right you a Garner Rell, all right. Yes, um, and I now have a beautiful, beautiful antique spaceship yeah, that yes. I would be willing to yeah. sell <laughs> <laughs> well, for the right bidder. You oh. kept the ship. We turned damn straight. You kidding? Because you're we stupid. Fortune and glory, fortune and glory, my friend. We're about to make a theme fortune. park in space. Oh well, okay, theme park idea. Yeah. I think they focus more on the fortune aspect. Oh. Um, fortune allows you to go for more glory. Oh, that was that was pretty awesome. Okay, so one thing I have to tell you is, uh, CJ ran through it too, and I, I don't know if it was your group or another group, but so at the very end of the module, you know, and and obviously uh, those who have read it, uh, you know, spoiler alert if you haven't played it, but uh, you know, you guys are archaeologists on the trail of, of of a ghost pirate ship, right? And when you finally discover it, you discover that it's it really is an actual ancient pirate ship that's been taken over by a rather insane droid AI. Okay, right. So you guys, you know, after you defeat the threats that are laid out for you, and you, you get past them, right? You make your way to the bridge, and you see, you discover this, and they see this ancient protocol droid plugged in the computer. Your first reaction was, you know, uh, nope. <laughs> and, and I believe I believe it was the Trandoshan who just, you know, like, you, the party was discussing it, and you went over and were just like, Shit. No, I told him. To oh, was it was the captain? Show him what happens to a pirate's life. <laughs> <laughs> went over and decapitated him, all right? So I think it was your group, maybe another, that they were like, "Well, no, no, no let's try and let's try and let's try and keep him around. Let's try and help him." Yeah. Um, He's wacky. He needs to go. <laughs> and so and so the droid in the party decided that he was going to go. That was the second group. We did not. Okay. Have, okay. okay. He didn't have the droid. Okay. The so second group, the second group that ran through this, they were they were going. Um, uh, you know, well, let's see if we can help him. So the droid went up and tried to the the R two unit in the party tried to go up and interface with this insane protocol droid, and I'm like, okay. I spent a destiny point, and I gave him a pretty nasty... I think he had, like, three red, you know, th- throw on his check. And he rolled two despairs. All right. 
Um, and so the module actually ended with him having his processor taken over by this corrupt droid intelligence. All right, you know, for con game, hey, you know, um, it works. That's mean, man. And then the rest of the party, and then the rest of the party had to had to had to. They they actually had spent a destiny point earlier to have remembered to have bought an ion grenade when they were in port last. Um, and so they <laughs> and they had done that like an hour previously in the module. At the instant they figured out they oh gosh we're probably going to be fighting droids. Good thing I have this ion grenade. I was like okay sure why not. And uh, yeah, they ended up having to stun him out. It was hilarious. Were they one de- like de- de- despair point away from getting spaced? <laughs> At the end of a con mod, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was it was still pretty fun. So you were playing the Trend Ocean. You were playing the captain. Right. Um, you were playing the uh, the researcher. The researcher. Okay. Yeah. Now this is an interesting character. Yes. All right. So this is a guy that has almost no compatibility whatsoever. He's a he's a he's a colonist scholar, okay, and everything he's got for the most part is in knowledge skills. I mean, yep. he's got you know high end high end, so he's looking at computers, mechanics, and stuff like that. Yep. But what were some of the challenges playing this, or did you enjoy it? I mean, I enjoy the heck out of it. I mean, that's my background. That's one of the reasons why I picked the character. I I mean, I study physics, and so it's like it's right up my alley. But one of the things that is actually awesome is is that uh, most of the people think, well, I'm going to mess with somebody's day because I'm going to shoot a blaster in their face. Well, that's awesome, but I think it's kind of awesome uh, when they don't recognize, uh, you know, what the static is going on behind them, and suddenly some view screen explodes in their face. Pretty fun. Yes. And remind me. You were playing the first mate. I was yeah. the Bothan smuggler. You were the first mate. I was the first mate. And uh, I have played many Bothan smugglers, pilots, <laughs> aces. <laughs> and, uh, th- yeah, so, I mean, I was right at home. This this is a character I've played before. In you shoved a gun in your butt. <laughs> I went. I, I got past. I succeeded in my concealed weapon, and that's all that matters. I was armed in that canten- cantina. So you succeeded. You succeeded in concealing your weapon, but you rolled a despair, right? And so, or was it despair or like just a ton of threat? I forget. It was one of the. It was one of the. Okay. Two. It, was it was despair. despair. Yeah. All right, and so it was like, okay, great. So it's one. Of those, okay, he's, he concealed the weapon successfully, but you had to shove it so far out of sight. <laughs> Um, then I, th- I think it took like a full action, uh, basically, to, to pull it out again, or a full because you had quick draw. I had so. quick draw, yes. Yeah. Despair uh, or nair? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. See, that, we could have some fun with that. Maybe it goes off while you've concealed it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, with the system itself, um, now that you guys have gotten a greater greater taste of it, uh, I mean. Final thoughts on the module, and are you going to play the system again? What things do you think the system could do better? What would you like to have done that you didn't see? Um, and any critiques? I'm a big fan of the system. Um, I've, I own it. Um, I, in fact, uh, own two sets of dice. I haven't actually run it yet, but uh, you know, one of these days. Um, I like it as a storytelling-focused uh, uh, system. Um, it's very cinematic, and it fits that style of game, um, as opposed to you know, uh, you know, different systems for different per- you know different you know fields. Um, one of my favorite uh, mechanics is the d- the destiny points. I like I like the idea of you know flipping the the, the destiny points to uh, bump up your uh, uh, bump up your uh, Dice pool, or you know, the the GM can you know do the same in return. I, I really like that. That's that one of my favorite. Economy that happens, yeah. you know. I think we lucked out though on our flips because the, the GM and us did have the exact same amount, so there was balance lot, to the there floor. There was like five dark, yeah. five light when we started for y'all session too. It was it was pretty hefty. 
Yeah, I really like this system. I'm definitely going to be playing it again, uh, especially now that I know that Chris actually has his own set. I'm going to be coming over and say, <laughs> like, break it out. Come on, dude. Hey, uh, I'll get a game together. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but um, I really can't think of anything that I really want to change with it. I want to play with it more before I can actually make an assessment like that. I mean, right uh, I mean, when you're game testing, I mean, there's obviously stuff that you can make, make recommendations for, but this is robust enough that I want to play it out and find out what details are in it. One thing I like about it, and this is going to sound strange from a role-playing perspective, I, I look at Star Wars as a game where you don't mind seeing the rails. You're, you're, you've got a narrative going that you're trying to get through, and everyone just wants to see the end of the story. And I didn't mind that at all in this. Now, do you think that's the flaw of the system, or is that because it's, this is a con module and it's, it's more... Maybe a little bo- of both. Okay. But... Mostly con. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, did the module suck? What could I change about it? No, I, I enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. I got to punch things. It was a lot of fun <laughs> to an extent. Okay. There were some great in jokes in it too. So, <laughs> elaborate. Come on, this is podcast like, gold. The, you got to. The, the, the Doctor Moreau, who is the uh, you know the experimental doctor. Oh, okay. Yes. And, yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Belosh, uh, yeah, that was <laughs> I, only half the party gets it. I, I mean, every time it's like you say Belosh, and it always like I read one and one guy's like the instant I say his name is Belosh, the guy goes under his breath, Belloc. It's Belloc. <laughs> Were all your doctors so STEM happy? Uh, okay, um, no, no. <laughs> uh, the 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 person who played the doctor, like yes, I I ran this module three times at this three con. times three times at this con. Um, honestly, uh, and usually when I run this, the doctor usually forgets that they have that ability. She she was driven. She was driven. <laughs> yeah, she was trying to stim everything, and it was she's not here, but but uh, we've had her on the podcast before. Documentary girl Stephanie Hover um, was playing Doctor Moreau in y'all's sessions, and she was stimming. I mean, everything out of comment. I'm going to stim him. I'm going to stim him. I'm going to stim him. And there was a moment where it, you guys were in the, you were in the bar fight. Right. And maybe this was your session, and the doctor is coming up behind and wanted to see. Yep. Okay, maybe yep. that was okay because you guys didn't get into it. So, in in the bar fight, you guys managed to get out of that without any combat. It was through some brilliant checks, I must say. <laughs> um, in one of the other sessions we ran, uh, you know, stuff's going real. It's getting down, and I had triggered Jack's obligation. So when below show, when that was when, definitely when, our session. When below showed up, it wasn't you know, <laughs> oh I see you. What are you doing here? He went straight to you and basically picked a fight. All right, and it it got physical. And meanwhile, his mercs are stretching out around the bar for good covering positions. And the doctor walks up behind him and is like, I want to stim him. I want to knock him out. And it was, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, my, where my brain went was, okay, she doesn't have any talents to do anything like that. And I don't remember anything like that. And the gruels, yeah, yeah, give me a medicine check. You know what? And just you know, increase the difficulty and, and, and set it up. And, you know, why not? Okay? And it, it, just, it just made sense. That was, that was No, that was actually not our session. Our doctor stayed outside the bar in our session. That's right. And... Yeah. yeah, we started yeah. off the convention by um, truly disarming someone with the Trend Ocean. <laughs> the very first combat roll involved triumph, involved massive numbers of successes, and, and an advantage. It was triumph and an with five advantage. Yeah, wow. So right. we took the guy. We took one of the Merc's arms off at the bar, baseballed him, and sent him sprawling over to the second Merc and to Belosh. So that'll leave a mark. Yeah, so like, yeah. like low low gravity, all right. So right. he and he and the, and the trend the trando has his claws, and so he uses the triumph to crit, 
and he's, it's, vicious, it's a vicious weapon anyway, all right? So it's got plus one, or, uh, or it, it was his, his talent gave him, gave him plus 10% on whatever his, his, uh, his critical roll was. And he, he rolled, rolled 100. He, he rolled 90, 90 plus 10. He rolled 95, okay? Jesus. So, so he rolled a 95, got to 105, which is maimed, so it's like you lose a limb, all right? I'm like, which of the, limb, which of the guy's limbs do you want? He was like, his, his gun arm. And, and he was attacking from behind, too. So it was, he came up, sliced the guy's arm off, and I'm like, okay. He's like, well, you got five advantage. You can do a lot with that. He's like, okay, it's low G. I want to not just cut the arm off. I want to grab it, and I want to use it to whack him over the head with it. And I want to beat him with his own arm and send him sprawling. And he was at about short range from Belosh and the other Merc and send him sprawling into those two. And I was like, that's brilliant. And so they all fell in a heat prone. It was absolutely incredible. It was. And it was. The, uh, the other session I ran, I don't think it was yours. It was the no. second session of it. Um, Jack... Uh, was being played by Jawas Eight My Jedi, Ray Brewer, one of our longtime yep. D20 radio community members. Um, first first attack roll of the bar fight, one of the mercs came up and tried to stab him. I critted really well, and I rolled the same crit. Dude lost his hand. All right, Jack lost his hand in the yeah, bar fight. That's gotta suck. It was it was pretty it was it was pretty bad. It was just ah! um, I said congratulations. That's the worst I've ever critted a player in any game I've run of this so far. Congratulations. But how did he handle through the rest of the game? Uh, he did pretty well. Um, I mean, he, he kind of uh, <laughs> he kind of stayed out of the rest of the bar fight and after they got the data pad and they go back to the ship, um, they're deciphering data. The docs turn it, him up and basically on the long ride to, uh, uh, to the, uh, uh, the, the central zone in the area of the asteroid field um, with the droids' help um, they cobbled together a really rudimentary artificial hand, okay? And basically she spent about eight hours to make the medicine check to heal the crit. Um, and it was, it was interesting. Now, see, based on the player who played our Dr. Morrow, I could have just seen them grafting something else onto him. She was, that, that player was just <laughs> played it up completely, the true Dr. Moreau concept. Well, I have nice. a gundark arm. <laughs> <laughs> supposedly sentient beings. Uh, oh, that, that part, supposedly yes. sen- allegedly uh, sentient. Yes, yes. She, her obligation was was uh, you know the, that she was uh, you know yeah. driven away from the systems for experimenting on on sentient beings. She goes sentient air quotes. Yeah, like they're sentient. Come on, they're just humans. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was epic. That's how you start a con, though. Honestly, if you're looking for con- convention adventures, we that's didn't how want you start to start a, con. a combat. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were they were very like you know no no yeah. no, and it was yeah, my skills were, were stealth and acrobatics, so you know, screw fighting. Actually, my skills were shooting things really fast and first, and I was avoiding combat <laughs> until yes. the end. Yeah, until the end. Until the end. But you guys did very well. Um, so, ReaperCon itself is this your first ReaperCon? Yeah. Yes. Nice. Welcome, right. guys. Seriously, and welcome. Welcome. Seriously, it's a Thanks. great. It's a great con. Um, so, what have you guys done so far while you're here? And uh, what's been your favorite thing you've done so far? I'd say your game. Aww. Yeah. Well, you don't. Really. Have, you don't have to suck up because you're on the show. It's really. It okay. was. It was the most comprehensive. We we came here and we. There was a little problem register with registration and signing up for games, but so we broke out the box of descent that we came with and. Played for a while, and then we got to playing some other stuff. Uh, the the giant dungeon setup we've done twice. Yeah, the dungeon crawl is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, this is the most interactive thing that we've had here. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's, that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say the same thing. That definitely, this game we played a lot of uh, descent and uh, dungeon crawl, and uh, oh, we played uh, we played uh, a demo game. Um, uh, but 
Yeah, this was, you know, this was what, four-hour is four-hour game, so this yeah. is the largest ch chunk of uh, game that we actually played here at the con, so. Excellent. You sticking around for the auction? Oh, we can't. Yeah, oh. We, we got to head out. We just you, gave away all, all our chips. Well, You're killing good. me, guys. You're killing me. That's, that's, that's good. At least you gave away your chips. That's good. That's, Next that's year, we're, that's we'll plan ahead. All right, well, um, you guys are welcome to hang around if you want. I want to talk a little bit more about some of the modules we ran, but if you want to jet and get food or something like that, I totally understand, but uh, you're welcome to stay. But thank you for talking to us about the experience, and uh, thank you for playing. You guys were an awesome group. Yeah, really thanks for running. That was a lot of fun. Really, really, really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. So, CJ. So, Chris. <laughs> All right. So, um, you're one of the few players. Casey, get your butt over here. Come here. You, you, I, that's why I, want, I want to get your raspy, raspy voice. Oh, I want perfect. To get your, you're going to get your raspy, hey, raspy hey, voice dog. here. He's been, he's been, right. he's been doing... He's been yeah, doing. I've been, I've been doing fiasco for fiasco days, so, all yeah. day. How many sessions of fiasco have you marshaled? Let's see. I did Nine? Um, two. Yes, or two, two on on Friday, and then there were only supposed to be two on Saturday, but then Brian Reaper Brian showed up at ten o'clock at night. He said, "I got some people to play some fiasco." I said, "All right, cool." And he walks in with like three people. I said, "Good. We've got a good game here. We can totally do with this." He says, well, "We've got a couple more people coming." I said, all right, well, uh, well, we may have to split this into two tables. Over the next 20 minutes, 15 people all roll in. If three tables of five people. Okay, was it, were there separate games? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, Fiasco, you run three to five people max okay, per okay, table, okay. so you have to split them up into different groups. Okay. Of those 15 people, two had ever played before. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to coordinate oh, all three wow. of these tables. So yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of talking loud. I was sick a little bit ahead of time, so yeah, it just all compounded. And now now this is how I sound. Wow, sexy, sexy. So normal <laughs> Sunday for any convention is pretty much how you sound. You've blown out your voice, thrown a vocal cord or two. This is actually unusual. Uh, this is the this is the most fiasco we've ever had at ReaperCon. Yeah, ever. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been. Well, really, Brian's really been great. pimping the heck out of fiasco, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, he loves the game. He, yeah, it's and a he's great had game. just enough free time this this time around. Things have been so smooth. He's had just enough free time that he can actually sit down and play, and that's been a really big change. That's the way so. to do it right there. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's been it's been cool to see Brian get to play. Yeah. But anyway. So for I, I obviously ran a lot at this con. Um, yeah, you did. Uh, I, I think a total of uh, uh, three uh, dead men's hands and the three rounder. So that's six right there. Yeah, and inglorious rebels. And inglorious rebels. So seven. seven. You didn't get to do inglorious. I tried. Yeah, I tried. Yes. No, yeah. Oh, you didn't do right, that one. That's okay. right. We ran long. Oh, that's session. that. That's when you went into the. Yes. That we needed the, help we, with we the booth. booth right. Yeah. So I yeah. ran. So I ran six sessions at this con. Um, pretty much two a day um, yeah. as you're going through it. And what was cool for me is I got for the second time ever to run um, uh, Forgotten, which is uh, my my three parter, and it was really great. You, know, you always struggle when you register this at a con. It's like, okay, I hope people realize that this event is part one, this event is part two, this event is part three, so that they'll buy all the tickets, so you have the same group of people go through each because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a contiguous story. Is it is it tough for people to you know kind of dedicate that amount of time to it? Because I mean, it's you're at that point in time you're talking about a whole bunch of hours, and there's other stuff that people are wanting to do. Speaking as someone who actually did get to play in all three sessions, yeah, it really is. Um, <laughs> I was worried. It yeah. really is kind of hard to commit to that block of time, especially when, you know, coming into the, this convention, for the first time ever, they actually sold tickets and sold tickets yeah, yeah, to yeah. 
the RPG events and going into it, everything for all of the Star Wars RPG gone, sold out, yeah. well in advance. But we had a lot of no-shows. You yeah. had tons of no-shows. Yeah. That first table, yeah. we had no ticketed players, which I'm, I'm not going to complain, obviously. Now, I filled every table I ran. Yeah. yeah. It was just, it was, you know, people were like, because literally I had people in the wings like, are you running Star Wars? Are you running Star Wars? Are you running Star Wars? Like, yes. I said, okay, great. I want a seat. It's like, okay, well, I, I have sold out, but wait and see. And it was, it was, it was just fortunate. We, yeah. You know, anyone who wanted to play really got to for the most part. That's good. Um, but it was one of those things that I've never done. Like, in Reapercon's past, I've done three-parters, and, but they're not really, like, they're they're not it's not as essential as it is for the for the forgotten series yeah. to really be a part of it because in the forgotten series it's it's, it's the amnesia the amnesia module of wonder run forever the, the the first scene ever you hand the players character sheets with no names everything's blank from their backstories and backgrounds wow. and it's they wake up in a bank vault pointing guns at each other with no recollection of who they are and who these people are that's we literally start with a sheet of numbers. That's, that's brilliant. It, right? And the whole series of three adventures is this quest to figure out exactly what is going on with them, who they are, everyone was trying to kill them, why, and and discover their identities. So what you've done is you've basically made a fiasco Star Wars session. And that was, so it's one of the reasons I wanted you to sit down for this is because that's it, it gets to that level of crazy. Yeah. Okay. And I drew a lot of inspiration from fiasco from that. But it was um, yeah. So it's worried. You know, I've done I've done the other three parters before. But you can bring so okay. This is what happened last time, and here you go. And you but last so, time in Star well, Wars. Last time. <laughs> oh no, you go Clone Wars. Last time in Star Wars. Attack. You know yes. Um, but it, it was a lot more difficult with this, and it was a, a bit of a challenge. I was worried I was going to be able to have all people at the table. And when we ran the first session, I was like, okay, now are you guys going to be able to be here for session two and session three? And half the table was like, I, I don't know. But I'm registered for, and I'm, 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 re- I, I'm registered I, for these other events, and I'm yeah, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like totally oh, okay, well, we'll do what you can. But after they got through the first session, I was like, okay, so you guys gonna, are you guys going to be able to be here for two and three? And everyone was like, yes! <laughs> I have to know what happens! And that's that was that was a really really cool feeling. So you have to have a really good start to really hook people in. Yes. So congratulations on oh, that. That's good. Thank you. So spoiler time for the module. Okay. okay. So as they're going through, uh, the, the 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 PCs discover that. Um, that their memory loss is due to a neurotoxin that they've been infected with. And not only is it causing retrograde amnesia, it's killing them. Right? They have a few days to live at best. Pretty much, you know, that nice little gray matter squirting out the left ear moment. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> you know, um, and uh, there were some interesting things. Because of the fact that they have no memories, stuff like obligation could come into play, although they wouldn't quite understand it. I didn't feel it would have the same impact. So instead, I, I did a custom thing for this particular set of, of adventures where it was a memory flash check where I would roll instead of obligation they could trigger a memory flash and, and it would give them a piece, a snippet of, 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 of their former life that they've forgotten to help put things in context. Exactly and speaking as both a player and a GM not for Star Wars but as a GM in general that's something that system wise worked out really really well it gave us the chance to role play characters that okay here's how we feel because at the beginning we were given a couple of basic personality traits that's something that doesn't change when you have the retrograde amnesia but it gave us the chance to learn a little bit more and a little bit more or for some of us to learn absolutely nothing when we keep botching our dice rolls well well and i think that's probably a really good way to get people to invest in a pre-gen character at a convention scenario, you have no background on that character. You have no attachment to that character. I mean, a lot of times when you go to these games, it's just kind of like a throwaway thing. You're just there to kind of feel the story, but you're not necessarily associated with it. And I think that would kind of bleed that back in. And knowing that we're going to be doing a 12-hour module, essentially, 
it gave us actually that chance to be invested in the character, which felt strange in and of itself. It becomes something that's not a throwaway character because we are invested in trying to get our memories back, trying to get these characters made complete. And, you know, having that as part of the adventure draws us in further as players. So the goal is not so much to complete the mission. The goal is actually to figure out who your character is. The goal is to become invested in your character by figuring out who your character is. That's really, that's and, really good. And that's, that was, I mean, it, was, it got to the point that, you know, the third session was late. Okay, it was, it was a night session, started at 7, okay, and we were running late. And there was a dad and his teenage son who were playing. Yeah. And, and teenage son had to, had to go leave. He had to go pick up his brother, actually, uh, uh, from a practice. And so he had, he had to leave, like, 20 minutes before the module could end. And oh, he was no. just, he, it was a commitment. He had to go, and he, he was just furious. And so he was just, like, demanding. He's like, I have to know. And so he told his dad, he's like, take, you know, you have to tell me. And when, when, when they finally recover their memories... Um, and they get the antitoxin. You know, I give them little cards to tell them, all right, here's here's who you are, here's your real backstory. Okay? Um, and uh, the dad was like, perfect. And he texted a picture um, of, of, it, of, it, of it to his kid. And uh, he sought me out the very next day after, the the, uh, the, the teenage son. And he came up to me, he's like, I knew it! I knew, I knew it! And uh, it, it, was, it was fun. It was absolutely fun. So, okay. Um, but speaking as a player, that's what you want to see from a GM. Is some, a GM that's going to invest some, invest something in an adventure to make the players want to feel that. It makes for a good story. And you know, at a con, yeah, you've got a lot of throwaway modules. Okay, you go, you do X, you do Y, you do Z. The module in and of itself, it's not just your X to Y to Z. It becomes an actual interactive story rather than rather than a dice-slinging game. And that's what you want to see. Now, how can we translate this into what other GMs can use <laughs> uh, from, from, from a regular Cloning, perspective? DNA. I mean, not just products aside, but, oh. what, but what I'm hearing is, I mean, from what both of you guys are telling me, I think a lot of GMs miss that part of it. But more importantly, I think they miss it for a reason. They miss it because of what their players expect. And well, you, yeah, part you, of it. I mean, you hit it. When, when, I, when I go to a con mod, I know it's going to be throwaway. Yeah. I, I expect. I, I, don't, I don't care what the guy's backstory is. I, I really don't care. And one of the more difficult things I found with Edge of the Empire, specifically at a convention, is the fact that because you're dealing with throwaway scenarios, obligation means next to nothing. Yeah. I don't care about the long-term consequences. Now, I can write a short-term consequence for a triggered obligation into the module. Yay, but it's a plot wrinkle. Honestly, that could have been a part of the regular module, and the players would never have known the difference. It could have just been another challenge they had to overcome. Exactly. Okay. At that point, you're just trying to illustrate, well, this is how that mechanic works. Exactly, exactly. Which Furcon is still valid. It's still very valid. Um, but you're right. Emotionally, it, it serves no purpose. And so getting our characters emotionally invested all right, with each other during a four-hour module, um, obviously, Fiasco, the entire... The entire concept of the game is based around this. That's the that that that's where you start. You start at that point because mm-hmm. um, you don't create the character; you create the relationships. So you have an investment in what you're doing from the get-go because you don't know who your character is. You start off with that kind of amnesia aspect, and the entire aspect of the game is learning who you are and what you're doing through active role play. One of the things Brev does with his games that he borrowed from Fiasco, and you've done this with him, right? Where he takes the little cards, you know, like, and you know, in Fiasco, you have the little cards with like the the locations and the yeah. the items and the people that make connections. Brev has done this with his Star Wars games, and would you, did you play any of those? No, or? I haven't, but I know he does it. 
And it, yeah. it, it's like, he'll do them Star Wars specific, too. He'll make, like, Hut Casino, a broken blaster pistol. You know, like, all these, these random things. Yeah. And he'll have the PCs collect the card and force that fiasco-like connection uh, between two players. That th- this, is, this is an item or an object or a locale that connects us, invests us. I've seen tremendous success with that with his games, and it would work really well for a con game especially, where you know it, it, allow, it, it immediately gives two players who may not even know each other at the table, I mean, yeah. in real life, ins- and one, an inside joke, all right, as they come to it together, and that level of character investment. So... That feels like kind of a throwback to um, Spirit of the Century. Yeah. Um, ooh, wow. See? Yeah. Oh, I love fate. Yeah. Um, because you have to create part of the character creation is you have to sit down with each person and come up with a past adventure that you were in. So you, even if you don't know them or even if you haven't really developed your character background that far, you are obligated from the get-go to have a story with everyone at the table. I see 10 that's minutes. Funny. It, I mean, that's not the first time this system has ever been compared to Fate. That's true. You know? That's true. Oh, yeah. The Edge of the Empire stuff, there's yeah. there's a lot of stuff that feels similar to that. From from that kind of stuff to the to the players being able to manipulate the world as necessary in certain situations, the advantages, everything like that it has a lot of yeah. similarity for sure. And that's when it becomes a truly interactive experience for the player who you know may not get a chance to run with that GM ever again. What, you, what you're looking for at a con is not just something to fill your three-hour, your four-hour slots. You're looking for something that you can enjoy. Talking to the guys who are here, they obviously very much enjoyed their experience playing this because it's such an interactive game. But it's, that's exactly what you're looking for at a con, is that interactivity. And that's something you can get with this system. That's something you can get with a true storytelling system rather than, rather than your result-based system. Yeah, and well, one of the things I've noticed um, from playing the the Edge of the Empire stuff, from playing uh, Fate, from playing um, uh, Marvel Hero, Marvel Heroic, another great, another all of those games where the players are not only where the players are not only playing, but they're contributing. At the point in time where the players are contributing or even helpfully creating the story. That creates such a visceral connection to that story. Right. Those are the stories that we remember more. I, I bet they borrow a lot of that. You know, they're working, Margaret Weiss is working on the Firefly RPG. Oh, yeah? I bet they borrow a lot of that. Oh, I bet a lot of it moves yeah. over because that system was really, really good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I found that, I mean, you can have a combat that maybe you remember from a and d game years ago. Like, oh, it was really great. We took down this dragon, whatever, whatever. What do you remember about it? Yeah. <clears throat> it's like, I rolled a crit. Yeah. <laughs> but... The I'll story tell you, starts with a crit I got or a the fumble. plus That's two sort of awesome. Yes. Yeah, but I remember That's almost every scene from almost every uh, fiasco game that I've ever been in. Yeah, because it's episodic almost in nature, well, yeah. right? I mean, it, it's 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 cinematic in nature, whereas D and D is very object dr- driven, yeah. very object oriented, very you know the the ends are the. You know, that's the result that you want. You want to collect this magic item. You want to loot this thing. You want to kill this guy. That's it. Yeah, but the story doesn't really matter. Where, any of those games where the players get to contribute to the story, it becomes more cinematic. It becomes more right. visual. You can see what's happening. You can feel what's happening. And that creates that emotional connection, not only to your character, yeah. but to the story, to the game, to the people, everything. And plus, you get to tell the story. When exactly. you get advantage and things like that, you get to determine what happens. And that you know, is a big difference. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to poo poo on any other system. I think some systems do make that that easier than yes. others. But if you get, and the thing is, like, a, a phenomenal GM 
can can make you invested in the story in ways right, like yeah. like, I mean, like three tables over. Joe Wolf is right there, and he is running the most epic Pathfinder games that have ever been run by a yeah. human being in the history oh, of anywhere. Goodness, yeah. Okay, I mean he's got he's got six players and six others that are just watching around the table because they're so invested in the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is happening right now, but that's because he is that phenomenal of a GM. People right. travel to this con just to play Pathfinder yeah. with him. We okay. ran. Uh, my wife ran all of his adventures or ran in all of his adventures this weekend. That's yeah. the main reason she comes is to yeah. run in Joseph's games. And because they're that engaging. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. But that relies entirely on Joe's charisma and uh-huh. skill as uh-huh. a GM, which is superb. I would play with any game in any system with Joe at any time. And I totally agree with that. I, a lot of people complain about systems that don't have uh, character mechanics in them. They don't have social mechanics in them or they don't necessarily encourage role play. And I think that's I think that's a False. I don't, I don't think there's any game that necessarily has to encourage role play. That comes up to the people that are sitting at right, the table. Right, sure, absolutely. But the thing is, and maybe it's because I'm getting older, I don't know. There's a whole lot of complaint. <laughs> I'm getting older, shut up. There's complacency. Age is only a state of mind. In. You know, you get into a complacency. You don't have time to dedicate to stuff. You're really just yeah. there to kind of hang out. You're rolling dice, stuff like that. My home game is a perfect example. We try to put in as much role play as we can, but you just you get to the point where, yeah, you are just kind of there more to hang out. The, the, the social time is more the players talking to the players, and then you roll some dice in the middle. So you don't have that actual character interaction. Whereas when I was younger, we were totally dedicated in the characters. So I agree. I actually agree with that. We're in a different group now than we were, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 exactly. years ago. Mm-hmm. Part of that is because we're in a different part of the country. But part of that is because we're growing older, yeah. growing faking growing more mature and <laughs> it's a different feeling now with the games that we yeah. play now it really is okay so yeah. one of the things I <clears throat> and I, I we were here late last night and I was hearing Joe Joe really, Wolf actually really, yeah. talk about this one of the things I do enjoy about this con and I feel a lot of GMs have a hard have a hard aspect with and I, I god we're getting on tangent but I'm loving this conversation um, <laughs> that's why we're here uh, young players having young players at your table kids right? yeah, yeah. I mean, adolescence. And as a GM, in my early GM career, when I would go to a con and I would get an adolescent at my table, I would just be like, ugh. Yeah, because kids have no future. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I agree. There's that brief moment where you're like, what am I going to do with this? Are they going to be able to yeah. handle are they, it? Yeah, are they going to yeah, be able exactly. to do what? There you go. How much are we going to have to censor ourselves? Sure. Well, yeah. Now, to preface what you're all saying, I played in the adventure last night that you're about to talk about. Right. Both my wife and I played in it. Along with the adolescence. Yeah. So I can preface it with that. Yeah. And the thing is, but Joe was talking about this, how, you know, you have this trepidation as a GM about playing with kids, especially the con, because, you know, I want to censor myself. Are they going to slow the game down? Are they going to get the rules? Are they going to do all that? And so a lot of GMs, quite frankly, treat children horribly at conventions. They treat them like children. They treat them like children. And even if they're, you know, above that point where you should be treating them like children, you still have that instant reaction. And that does not engender the hobby. Exactly, and this this is what Joe was going on about, and and you were in that session. Yeah, those kids. I heard they did great. They did great. What Joe did last night was before the session actually began, because of the two, one had actually played Pathfinder once, the other not at all. He took them aside beforehand and laid down the law, quite frankly, and said, "Look, you're at a table with mature role players who have been playing forever." This is your chance to shine with them, to sit down and play a good game. But in order to play that good game, you guys can't act like children. Man up. And if you don't man up, don't worry. I will politely ask you to leave the table. 
And you know what? Both of them, both of the kids, both of them rose to the occasion. And I'll admit, I was ready to walk away from the table when they both sat down. I was literally ready to get up and walk <laughs> away <laughs> because I have a low patience tolerance for children when it comes to games. But I was suitably impressed by them. Yeah. And that's one of the things at ReaperCon, I continue to be impressed and enjoy being proven wrong by the kids that are here. Right. A couple yeah, tables a lot back. Of them are surprisingly mature. Yeah. And, yeah. And well, couple we tables back, you may see them. Yeah, you may with, see them on camera. One. You know, and he was he was so he you know as opposed to acting childish, he almost suffered from analysis paralysis of an adult, right? Because yeah. he was trying to analyze and find the pattern in absolutely everything. There you go. Yeah, one uh, of the go ahead. Yeah, I had that same kid. Um, he was in a fiasco game yesterday. It was actually four adolescents, and you want to talk about having one kid sit down at your table and kind of getting that, oh, that pause. Yeah. That's all I had. The oldest person there was 16 and went downhill from there. Wow. So, yeah, I freaked out. But I'm like, they're here. They want to play. They definitely want to do this. And I want people to be able to play this game. I want people to understand this game. So I ran them through it. And I was genuinely, genuinely impressed by the outcome. I mean, it was just, it was fantastic. They came up with such a good story. Two of them blew me away with their, uh, with just their creativity and their character that they, they built. Um, one of them was a little loose cannon, and we had to kind of rein him in a little bit. But the other three, I mean, they were just spot on. I, I would, I would role play with any of those kids at any time. The question I have for you and for the two of you then, how much of that is because of the nature of what this convention is as opposed to a Gen Con or as opposed to an Origins where kids are there because of their parents? Is this something where kids want to be this here? This is a little bit different. I it mean, this really has a is. different feel, right? So ReaperCon has always been open to just about everybody, always family-focused. because it is very much so. Yeah, because Reaper's a small company. You yeah. know, they are a family pretty much. And, and so they encourage everybody bringing their kids. And, and um, you know, I, I've, never, I've never felt anybody at ReaperCon act, acting in an, an exclusionary nature toward children. And Anyone for that matter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you no, that's you're right. Exactly anybody, right. you know. And so I think that's helped engendered. Yeah, I feel comfortable bringing my kid, and yeah, they can handle themselves. And for the most part, the gamers that have kids can handle themselves. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of. Yeah. So I, I think I think the I think the convention may foster kids that want to play more. I think they're more comfortable coming to the table. But I think there's still a lot of onus on the GM. And from my perspective, no, to, to to answer your question, like. I've reached a point now uh, that, you know, I, I, I welcome it. And it's one of those things, whereas before I used to be like, ugh. Now it's like, yeah, no, no, come on, play. And, and I, you know, at that point, your GM task becomes managing the other grown-up players' expectations of what's going on. Yeah. But it, it's one of those things that if you give them a good experience and you treat them well and with respect and you let them shine, I mean, th- th- this is the only way we're going to propagate this hobby is in the next generation. Get these kids excited now. They'll love it for exactly. the rest of their lives. I mean... This is the age of the internet and Xbox. Kids don't. When I was a kid, we went to my we went to my friend's house and we sat in the garage and we played D and D. That was our fun. And it's it's not how kids are going to do it anymore. So it has to be propagated this way. And now it becomes your kids are friends or your kids' accounts are linked. Right. Now let's right. let's get together <laughs> online or let's get together over Xbox Live, PSN, or. Yeah, Casey's showing off his T-shirt. It says, visit outside where real stuff happens. No. Um, no. And it doesn't have to necessarily have to be outside, just face-to-face. Face-to-face Face-to-face, being able to you know, touch them, feel them, hear them, smell them. 
Just beyond be that up. door is the most incredible HD graphics I have ever seen. Okay, so we actually have a question out of the chat room. They were they they heard you talk about the loose cannon kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they're asking how did you rein them? How did you rein them in? To be honest, uh, Reaper Brian walked by the table at that exact moment, and he knew the kid. He uh, this this kid plays in a game with Reaper Brian. He said, "You got to sit down. Just you know, sit down. You're doing really good." We got to kind of keep everything together. Um, and he just kind of reminded him it was a community game and that everyone had to kind of play together. And really, once he sat down, he was good again. So Right. And that's, I mean, dealing with kids, you know, my mother was a school teacher for 30-something years. And, you know, I, I sat in on, and volunteered a lot at, at school. And, and I still do now with my daughter's high school. But for kids of that age, in that, say, 9 to 13, maybe 14, a lot of times that positive encouragement actually settles them down that you know you're what you're doing is not wrong you're doing great but we need you you know it's a yes but right it works with kids the adults see the but coming a mile away but the kids yeah but works you know and then we you know you're doing great what would be better is if you did this you know that's even that you know so there you go that's exactly right uh, reminding him that he was a part of the group and that everyone was contributing equally and that his his attitude wasn't necessarily wrong or right, but he should be working with everyone else really did right. solid it in. Right. Okay, so the one of the adolescents I had at my table was uh, Arishel, Ray Brewer's daughter. Oh, yeah. Okay, Jai was eight, my she Jedi's was, daughter. She was the oldest she, person at my She almost doesn't table. count as an adolescent. Okay, she's so, uh, she's, no, she's, not anymore. She not, is not, not, shrewd. Not anymore. Yeah. She is a shrewd now, manipulator. It, it's, she's, she's got that, she's, she's an amazing strategic player. I, I'd have her in any RPG session ever. And she's what, 14 now? I think uh, so. I it, thought she was 16. Is she? Am I wrong? I don't know. I, she's she's in the teenager. Right, we'll she's, she's, she's in early teens, right? Yeah. I've been having that. Uh, that girl's been at my table since she was 11. Okay. I, when I first for many many first many, started running Reaper many Reaper cons yeah. ago, right? So she's she's got background. She's okay. got experience. Yeah. She's, she's yeah. a background. And I remember I remember running a game, running Star Wars for her when she was like 11. All right. And just seeing her now, that 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 what's been ingrained in her, and she's sitting across the table from her dad, and you know, rolling her eyes like, "No, dad, that's a really bad decision. Don't do that." <laughs> it's like, "No, dad, would you really, really, would your character do that? Really, you know?" And and you know, you know, correct correcting him on rules, hilarious. Okay, absolutely hilarious stuff. But um, she that's an, she played in two of the fiasco games this weekend. Yeah, and both of them, she was she was a little quiet, she was a little reserved. But she she was manipulating like the entire game the whole time. She was getting people to do what she wanted them to do. She was making sure that everything fell in a row that she would come out on top at the end. So, but how much of that is due to again the maturity level of the kids, the adolescents at this convention? You know, who now you've seen them grow up at this convention. You've been doing the podcast here is this year four or year five for you guys? Uh, podcast, not that long, but we've been, I've been coming to this convention for five or six years. Podcasting, I think this is four. I think this is yeah, four. Yeah. I mean, you you guys have now had the chance to see these kids grow up at this convention. You know, like I said, two tables over, we've got um, the dad and his daughters here that have been playing for the last few years and just seeing them grow and mature as players and as people just becomes that much more fascinating and and we're being given gamer crack for our badges now i love it um it becomes that much more fascinating because of what this convention is you know the funny thing um father and son 
I, I was, and I ran mostly board games and and uh, through this whole con because I'm more of a board gamer than a role player. But I found that I was playing a, a chaos ball with a father and a son, and the son. I'm gonna guess he was 13, but he immediately saw and and I, you saw chaos ball. And, yeah, yeah. There's the, the the teams have special abilities. The ringers have special abilities. Right. You know, and then you have to find how that coexists along with a a different tactic that you can bid for at the beginning of the game. Well, he took the Amazons who can attack diagonally. Ooh. Then he took a ringer that if you call out somebody at the beginning of the period and you kill them and you hurt them at all win a contest they just die oops and then he took hate on top of that which gives you a point every time you damage somebody so here he had he had the wherewithal he never played before to discover amazons i can attack diagonally which means i can attack twice as much as anybody else there you go i took hate to gives me all these points and I took this ringer who can attack more than anybody else who would kill people, and he just called out ringers and killed us, killed us all. He won by blowout. <laughs> he, was, he was 25 points up at the half, and we called the game. That was it. So I think what I'm hearing here <clears throat> is that if you get kids into games, they grow up better. <laughs> I'll, I think, I'll agree with that. I think, that's, I, think I, th- kids, I think that's the core of this conversation. I think that gamers' kids are smarter. I agree with that. Because my kid is a genius. <laughs> and he's only see, six. I can actually see that, um, taking that to the MMO perspective also. I do a lot of MMOs. We're, we're part of one, two, three, four, five that we're active on right now. Yeah, we're, we're kind of insane like that, I admit wow. it. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that we've noticed in a couple of them is some of the younger players are much more engaged and mature beyond their years because they choose to be just that much more engaged in it and look at it less from a munchkin gaming standpoint, a min-maxing standpoint, less of a numbers game of instead of, okay, this is what I can do. It's not a matter of the numbers. It's a matter of how I can play or what I can do with the rules instead of the numbers. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We're running out of time. We have yeah, to get off the air kind of soon. Uh, Reaper Auction's about to start. But I really wanted to talk about uh, a little bit more about the uh, uh, Forgotten series that you played in, CJ. Yeah, now that we bunny-trailed everywhere Now across. that we bunny-trailed, but I'm, I'm, loving the, I'm loving the discussion. All right. Are you, are you taking off? Yeah, I'm going to take off. All right, dude. Thank you so much. I don't think so I can much. talk anymore. All right. Get out of here, bro. Thank you, it, for, thank you for thanks, talking. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, so, Okay. So CJ, what uh, yeah. what character were you playing in the in the Forgotten series? Uh, started out as the character Kresh, who is the Twi'lek female, um, somewhat mercenary. She's the gun nut of the group, and she's the one that starts the adventure by pointing two blasters at two different people. A little bit confused, a little bit going, okay, what the hell is going on here? Because let's face it, nothing says Twi'lek female like a forty year old overweight guy. <laughs> That's what I say. There you go. That's <laughs> Twi'lek largeness. Um. There, you, there you go. And story-wise, well, go ahead first. Um, I was going to say story-wise, what made it even funnier is the fact that the player sitting next to me, Cat, had the character who we may have... Human male. The human fa- male. The face of the party. Um, who, as we find out throughout the story, is the lover, which is... 
just that much funnier. It was it was pretty it was pretty a little hilarious. bit of gender bending never hurts anybody. It was pretty hilarious. So you guys figure that out. And when you found out your your own individual identities, I gave you cards so that you would know your own secret histories. Did you guys discuss them at all after the game? Do you know what was really going on with some of the others? No, actually, she and I didn't discuss it. Some of that may have been time constraint yeah, as yeah. far as you know. We finished at eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock at night. Yeah. But I know that others around the table were discussing some of the interactions, and we were all reading one another's cards to okay. at least put together in our own own minds, this is what the story is. Yeah. I mean, that's... I, I couldn't have planned it better. The, the, the father and his teenage son were playing uh, Auric, the human, I guess, leader of the party, yeah. um, and, and, the, and his son was playing the Wookiee. And, you know, wh- the instant they choose those characters, I was just laughing because they have a, they have the strong interpersonal connection in the story. Yeah. All right. You were sitting right next to Kat. She picked the human male. You picked the Twi'lek female, and I was just laughing my butt off. Oh, yeah. Uh, as, as a GM, when you've got players that do that, you're just sitting there going, okay, I couldn't have planned this any better if I had if I hadn't assigned seats, you know? So... What were your favorite moments during the three sessions? What were your, what were your what were the highlights of of the game? Um, highlights. You're you're making me try to think back. You know, three whole days. Memory. Oh well, you injected us at the beginning. I did. Um, highlights of the first session really were the interaction, the story interaction, and how we're trying to, for example, jump on the tram at the end of the first session. Um, trying to. The Wookiee, the player of the Wookiee, trying to go between his two natures. He was the techie of the party. Yeah. And you don't see that from the Wookiee. Wookiee, generally everybody sees that as the heavy Meatball. hitter. Your tank, your meat shield. And you could see that he as a player was trying to fight his own nature in that. Ended up doing the technological stuff as the rest of us are trying to either A, run for cover, which we did probably more than we should have. We ran more than we fight it. Well, <laughs> true. I mean, for Pete's sake, you guys get dropped more than once. We did. We really did. But the highlight of the first session was the way that he as a player was finding ways to overcome the quick nature of, okay, am I the meat shield? No, I'm not. I am your tech support. Um, the second session became a lot more about the character interaction, a lot more about us figuring out the story. And what we could, what we did in the interim between the main story beats, the combat beats, the the dice rolling beats, is to what we had to come up with in between as to how we could figure it all out. Highlight to the third session was all of us looking at you at the end and going, "Nope," when the la- when the um last <laughs> combatant showed up. <laughs> we literally all six of us looked across. Well, five of us at that point looked across the table. Any one of us who knows anything about the era. We just look at one another and go, nope. So, and, and to, frame it, to frame it in context, you guys had uh, finally tracked down, gotten your memories back, and were about to take your vengeance on the Black Sun Vigo, who had uh, betrayed his own organization by attempting to embezzle from it. And you were expecting this big boss fight, and all of a sudden uh, the door behind him opens, and uh, a slender female hand grabs the back of his neck, lifts him bodily in the air, snaps his neck, and tosses him to the ground. And let's face it, at that point, if anybody knows anything about the era, you it's, know it's, exactly you know, it you know, it's, it's Guri, right? Because it's, 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 right, it's right in that era. And uh, it's one of those things that you have fun playing off of the player knowledge versus the character knowledge. And uh, you know, from, from, from what she had done, it was obvious that, okay, we're just not going to mess with her from a character perspective. But from the player's perspective, you guys were like, nope, uh-uh, nope. We're not touching it with a 10-foot pole. This is the part where you run away. This is the part where you run away. 
So uh, it was good stuff, man. But it I, really was. And we as players talking about it afterward, we're talking about it. This is what at a convention we want to see out of GMs or out of the writers of modules that put their time and their effort in to something that the players can appreciate more than just that throwaway module. You can go to any convention and play a throwaway module. Yeah. Um, there's a group that runs modules at Gen Con every year. They're on module 120, 130 already of classic West End D6 Star Wars. Yeah. And you can plug and play into any of those. This, something entirely different. And as a player, thank you. Oh, of Seriously, course. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for playing. It was a lot of fun. And what, what if, So what have we learned, Gamer Nation? What have we learned? We've learned that... Nothing. <laughs> we've learned absolutely nothing. I've learned something today. We've learned that... We already knew it all. Convention oh, well, modules for case. this system. Um, obviously very easy to pull off. Very easy to teach, as we saw from some of our earlier people right here. But struggling to make those connections between players and focus on the connections between their characters seems to be a key to success that you can find with a lot of engagement yeah. at a convention module. And so... And it's engagement across not just players of the same generation, but engagement across multiple generations. Yes. And that's something that can transfer anywhere. I feel like this is a lifetime special. It is. It is. It is. It's it's, it's, it's like a lifetime special. Today on Gamer Nation. It is a very special episode of D20 Radio. It's like a Hallmark Hall of Fame. Oh. It's a Gamer Nation Hall of Fame. You get a D20. And you get a D20. Everyone gets a D20. Oh, it's incredible. Listen, CJ, thank you very much for talking to us. Guys, thank you very much for having me this weekend. Thank, thank you. you for thank you for allowing me to play in the Star Wars games that I've tried to get into for the last three, four <laughs> years. I'm glad you finally got down to the table. Are you going to be at Gen Con? No, unfortunately, we have our choices this year. We can go to Indianapolis or we can go to Orlando. And let's face it, um, the House of Mouse wins over the House of D20. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. Not for me, but I, people people have their own tastes. Yeah. Well, um, I'd like to. I, I'd hesitate to point out that you've been there, done that this year. I have. Yeah, I have. I have. I have been there, done that. So good. Point. I've been there three times, and I'm about to go for a fourth. Nice. And every May. three years yeah. for us. It's every three years yeah. that gives it a chance to change just a little bit. Yeah. Done. But guys, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, Gamer Nation, uh, this is the Order sixty six podcast live from ReaperCon. And we are signing off. This is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And GM Dave saying, keep them dice a-rollin'. This podcast and related website are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, the Walt Disney Corporation, 20th Century Fox, or Fantasy Flight Games. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names, pictures, or references to any Star Wars vehicles, characters, or other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited, Fantasy Flight Games, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio, visual, or textual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 Podcast and the Gamer Nation LLC. (laughs) 